Good morning, everyone. How are we? So good to see all of you. My name is Ryan. If you're new or new-ish, I am the lead pastor here at Arbor. It is so good to see all of you. That music is just so soothing, isn't it? It just kind of sets us up to get in a peaceful environment. Um, if you're new, again, I want to extend the invitation to Discover Arbor. We would love to see you there, even if you didn't sign up. Uh, and if you just are looking for a free bagel, just come. I'm sure there'll be plenty. We would love to be able to share with you um, who we are, where we're going, and get you connected and get to know you a little bit uh, better. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. We are going to be jumping through the book of Luke in just a few moments, but just so that you're ready for that, go and get your Bibles out. Turn to Luke's gospel. We are in the final week of our series that we are calling A Better Way Forward. A Better Way Forward. And the purpose of this series is to lay a a groundwork, a framework, so to speak, for where we want to go in the months and the years to come as a church as we lay aside our own way of doing things and pursue a better way forward, as we pursue the way of Jesus together as a community, as a family of God. And at the very first week of this series, I asked a pretty spicy question. Do any of you remember what that spicy question was? Is church working for you? That's close enough. The question was, do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? That was the question. Do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? Because let's be honest, if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, no doubt you've had a moment or you've had a season where where you've wondered, is this really working? Is this way of Jesus really worth it? Or is there a better way forward? And my hope is that in this first month of 2023, uh, you are getting a refreshed and new understanding, a revitalized understanding that the way of Jesus is worth it, that it can work, that, that it's worth pursuing, and that perhaps the problem isn't so much the way of Jesus as it's presented in the Gospels, but perhaps the issue is the way that we've been doing things. And we've, we've learned that there are some ways that we need to change about our lives, some things that we need to alter. And we've talked about the importance of slowing down, the importance of unhurrying our lives. We've been looking at the way of Jesus, and we see that Jesus lived an unhurried way of life. And if we follow an unhurried Jesus, then we should be living an unhurried life. But that is easier said than done, though, right? Not something that I would expect any of us in this room to have mastered or perfected in a week or two. Something that we will continue to grow in in the months and years to come. And last week, one of our elders, Scott, he showed us the importance of being present in the moment. That unlike so many of us, Jesus wasn't always looking forward to the next thing. But he was present in the moment with those who needed him. Those who were hurting those who needed his presence. And I loved this thought from last week's message when Scott said this, don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. But perhaps if you've been following along in this series, you're at this spot right now where you just have this lingering sense of, okay, yes, I want those things. I want to live a less hurried life. I want to be more present in the moment. I want to pursue this way of Jesus in my life, but where do I start? What's something I can do today that can help set me on that trajectory to pursue that better way forward? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up to the Gospel of Luke. We're gonna start in chapter five. Luke chapter five, verse 15, and it says this. 
But the news about him spread even more. And large crowds were gathering together to hear him and be healed of their illnesses. Yet Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Let me read that again. Yet Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. You can go ahead and turn the page to Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says this. Now it was during this time that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. And he spent all night in prayer to God. Turn a few pages over to Luke chapter 9, verse 18. It says this. Once when Jesus was what? Praying by himself or in the lonely place that can be translated and his disciples were nearby. Go down a few verses to verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to what? To pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became very bright, a brilliant white. Now one more, turn the page to Chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus, what was he doing? He was praying. What do you think this message is about this morning? (laughs) Right? Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he stopped, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. For, For this Jesus that we've been looking at for these past few weeks, the one that many of us profess to follow, the one that many of us want to model our lives after, prayer for Jesus was at the centerpiece of his relationship with God. Prayer. Prayer was woven into the fabric of his existence. Prayer was something that he incorporated into every single day of his life. It was part of his weekly schedule. He made time for it even when he was busy. Jesus would spend an entire night in prayer with his father because for Jesus, prayer was even more important than sleep. But one thing I notice in these few verses is that for Jesus... Prayer never seemed like a thing that was a burden for him to do. In fact, Jesus often went away and it never seemed like a drag for him to pull himself away for what we might consider the more important things in life, to go and pray. If Jesus was was eager to do anything in this world, it was to pray. So here's what I want to propose to all of us today. That if we're truly, truly eager in our lives to seek a better way forward, a way that is, that is truly unhurried, a, a way of life that is truly present in the moment, a way that is marked by love and peace and hope and joy. I would propose to all of us today that like Jesus, prayer must be at the centerpiece of our relationship with God. I would dare even to say that out of all the spiritual disciplines, out of all the spiritual practices, prayer is the single most spiritual, single most important spiritual practice that we can incorporate into our lives. And why would I say that? Well, I believe that because prayer is the pathway to experience the power, the peace, and the presence of God in me. 
Prayer is the pathway, the pathway to experience the power, peace, and presence of God in me. More important than any other spiritual discipline or practice, prayer. Prayer is the way that we can experience God's presence in our lives, something I know that so many of us long for and want and desire. Now for many of you, this is nothing new. If you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you've heard this before, the importance and the value of praying as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. You know that prayer is important. And I'm sure that many of you would say in this room right now, yes, I believe that prayer is important. I believe that prayer is important. Prayer is something that I should do. But how many of you this morning would say that even though you would say with your mouth that prayer is important, that you don't pray nearly as much as you think you should be praying? Who's brave enough to raise their hands and say that this morning? Okay, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And for some of you even, you might be like, but listen, I do pray. I know how important it is, and I set aside time every single day, and I pray, but here's my problem. I don't feel like my prayers are effective. I don't feel like my prayers are accomplishing what I want them to accomplish. How many of you would feel like that's the spot that you're in today, and you're praying for things, and you're hoping to see God move in your life, but you're just like, I'm not seeing anything happen. And so in this series, we have been looking at the life of Jesus. We've been looking at the life of Jesus through the Gospels, the way he lived, the way he loved, because that's what I want us as a church to go after. If I want us, Arbor Church, to be known for anything, it's that we are a people who live and love like Jesus lived and loved. And if, and if we want what Jesus had, if we want to live and love like Jesus did, then we need to do what Jesus did. And here in the Gospels, I think what we so clearly see is that if we want what Jesus had, then we need to pray like Jesus prayed. That's something that needs to be increasingly true about our lives, that we are a people who prayed, who pray like Jesus prayed. And yet so, so many of us don't. So I don't want this to start off like feeling like some sort of guilt trip because listen, I think many of us are in this boat where we're like, I see it in the life of Christ. I know the importance of prayer and yet I don't pray. I don't pray like I should. And in my years of experience as a pastor and following Jesus, there are a few things that I've noticed, a few common reasons for why we don't pray. A few common reasons and maybe you'll see yourself in one of these One of the reasons why so many of us don't pray is that we lack focus. We just lack focus in our lives. And and maybe a morning like this comes around and we hear a message and we're like, yeah, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna get really passionate about prayer and you'll walk away and you'll be like, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning at five and I'm gonna find a quiet place. I'm gonna pray for an hour and a half and then you finally get to that spot but you hit the alarm a few too many times and you wake up at 6.30 and you kind of get there and you finally bow your head and close your eyes and then you're just like, now what? (laughs) And you lose focus. And, and you're like, what, what, what do I even pray about? Or maybe, maybe, maybe you get to that spot and you start praying and, and you get bored. You get bored in prayer. And I know some of the real spiritual people in this room right now are gonna get offended at that, but I'm talking to the real people in the room this morning. We're like, yeah, you're like, yeah, I get bored. Any of you grow up in a church where you had Wednesday night church? Anybody? 
When we, growing up, we had Wednesday night church and, and we prayed and people would go up and share their prayer requests and everyone would kind of pray for them. And I remember being a kid and being so bored <laughs> in those moments. And, you know, I'd get the offering envelope from the front pew and I'd start drawing on it or playing tic-tac-toe or messing around with my friends or I'd just fall asleep and I knew by the end of it that, like, my parents were mad and God was probably really mad at me as well. He's like, you're going to hell for that. You know, that's what, I just, you know, that, that, that common religious guilt that you grew up with, right? Some of us, we just lack focus. We lack focus. Others of us, we don't pray consistently because we lack confidence. We lack confidence. Again, we just don't know how to do it. We don't know how to pray. And when we get in that moment, we're like, what are we supposed to do right now? And and that, that seems to be only made worse when we have someone in our lives who's like really good at praying. Do you have someone like that in your life where you're like, you hear them pray and you're like, you should be a professional prayer. Like, You should get sponsored for this by like prayer.com or something like that. And they start praying and they're like praying scripture and they're like, Father God, just as Haggai 2.4 says. And you're like, is that even a book in the Bible? You know, and and then they're like, they're saying the names of God. They're like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rathi. And you like try to copy them and you're like Jehovah Nisan Maxima. Would you (laughs) maximize this for the glory, you know? Or someone asks you to pray before a meal and you're like, oh my goodness, now I'm really on the spot. And so you're like, dear Lord, thank you for this meat that we're about to eat. <laughs> Amen, right? Like that's like, you, you, some of us, we don't pray because we, we lack confidence in prayer. And others of us, we don't pray because we just, we simply lack faith. We simply lack faith. We're not sure that God will do it. Or maybe we think that God is going to do it, but it doesn't seem like he's going to do it for me. Ever feel like that? We wonder, does God hear my prayers? We wonder, does God even care? And then sometimes you can make a pretty strong argument that, that, that God doesn't seem to hear our prayers, that he doesn't seem to care because we go through a season of life where we pray about something that we really care about and we want to see God move and, and yet he, he, he doesn't. You all probably have that story in your life where you maybe were praying for a relationship to work out and it didn't. Praying for a loved one, you prayed for your grandfather to get healed and he didn't. Maybe you were, maybe you were praying for a job situation for God to provide and, and it didn't seem like that ever came through. You had some addiction, some repetitive sin and you continued to cry out to God, God, would you take this away? God, would you take this away? And, and, and he didn't. And so you conclude, well, prayer might work for other people, but it doesn't work for me. And so listen, if that's you today, any of those reasons that you identify with, again, I I don't want us to feel guilty. I just want you to understand that so many of us are in that boat where we see the importance and the value of praying, but we have this kind of shared experience where we're not quite sure either what to do or we like the focus or we like the confidence and and we just kind of wonder, well, God, if we see this, that it's so important, then then how, how am I supposed to move forward in this? How am I supposed to do this? And so again, if any of those are you today, then my aim with this morning's teaching is, is simply to provide you some reasons is to provide you some encouragement to make prayer the centerpiece of your life. And so now we've discussed some of the, the reasons why we don't pray. Some of the very common, very simple reasons for why we don't pray. But again, many of us have like these misconceptions about what prayer is. And I want to talk about that before we talk about what prayer is and just some really simple things as to how we can move forward and pray. 
And so let's first talk about what prayer is not. What prayer is not. So first of all, prayer is not some sort of formal presentation. Prayer is not some formal presentation where you have to get on some like fancy prayer robe and kneel by your bed and use this fancy language like Father in heaven, I beseech thee for thine presence this morning and use all this King James language. Prayer is not a formal presentation. Prayer is also not simply giving God some wish list. God is not some kind of cosmic vending machine or some kind of genie and you rub the lamp just right and he's going to deliver on every single thing that you make a request for. Prayer is also not some kind of spiritual negotiation. Prayer is not a spiritual negotiation where you go, maybe you've done this before where you go before God and you're like, God, I promise that I will not swear anymore or God, I promise that I will spend 50% less time on Instagram reels if you do X, Y, or Z. Prayer is not some form of spirit. You know, you know where my heart is right now, obviously, right? Where I'm working through some things. Prayer is not some form of spiritual negotiation and prayer is also not some performance to win God's favor. You might be like, man, my life isn't going the way I want it to, so I need to prove to God that I'm really serious about this. And so we get more committed because we think that God is all of a sudden gonna be like, now that, now you're serious. And now I'm gonna show you my favor and now I'm going to bless you. Listen, prayer is not a performance to win God's favor. Prayer is not a lot of things that we think it is. In fact, just thinking back on those examples in the Gospel of Luke that we briefly surveyed, looking at when Jesus prayed, and that is just a snapshot of all the times that Jesus prayed. There are so, so many more examples of of prayer in the life of Christ. But what we see in Jesus' life is that prayer was not some sort of perfunctory performance where, where Jesus would just stop for a brief moment and pray. Prayer was interwoven into Christ's life. Prayer was not something that he just merely did once in a while. Prayer was a way that he lived. And so listen, one thing that we need to understand about prayer is prayer is not simply an action you do. Prayer is a way that you live. Prayer is not simply an action you do once in a while. Prayer is a way you live. It should be interwoven into the fabric of your life. Again, when we look at the way that Jesus lived, prayer wasn't done in this occasional moment in time when he would like fold his hands and bow his head and say a quick prayer and then be like in, what would he do? Like in my name? Is that what he would say? Like he'd pray and say in my name. Amen. Like that wasn't the way Jesus did it. It was, it, was, it was interwoven into the fabric of his life because for Jesus, this was the way, this was the way that Jesus experienced the peace and power and presence of God in his life. And so in the same way, if, if we want what Jesus had, if we want to live unhurried lives, if we want to be present in the moment, then we need to do what Jesus did. We need to pray like Jesus prayed. We need to make prayer the centerpiece of our lives because, because when we pray, we will begin to experience the peace, the power, and the presence of God in our everyday lives. And so, so we've looked at some of the reasons why we don't pray, and we've talked about what prayer is not, but then what is prayer? How do we understand what prayer exactly is? And we've seen a little bit of this in the life of Jesus, but I want us to look at what some uh, really profound writers have written about prayer. And so the first one I want us to look at is um, what Dallas Willard has to say about prayer. I love the way that Dallas Willard puts it. Listen to this. He writes this. 
I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply talking to God about what we are doing together. I love that. Prayer is simply talking to God about what we're doing together. Prayer is a total activity incorporating many elements essential to a, listen, personal relationship between two people. Prayer is the way we engage in our personal relationship with God. Persons different from and related to one another as the father is to his children on earth. I also love what Eugene Peterson writes about prayer. He, he writes this, that prayer is the way we work our way out of the comfortable but cramped world of self and into the spacious world of God. And then one more from R.C. Sproul. He says this, the prayer is not simply some soliloquy. It's not a mere exercise in therapeutic self-analysis or a religious recitation. Prayer is discourse with the personal God himself. Do you understand that that is what's happening when you pray? You are having a conversation with the creator of the world. You are having a conversation with the one person in this universe who loves you like no one else. When you pray, you are engaging in conversation with the one person who is so attentive to your needs and is looking out for you and wants to hear from you. That is what prayer is. So I wanna spend the rest of our time answering this big question here now. How do we pray? How do we pray? Again, I have no doubt that many of us in this room, we want to pray more. We desire to experience the presence of God more fully in our lives. But in order to more tangibly experience that, what do we do? How do we pray? Where do we even start? Well, again, thankfully, thankfully, Jesus' disciples, they observed Jesus as well, just like we are this morning. And they had this very question for him. We saw it in chapter 11. Look there again. Luke 11, verse 1, Jesus is praying. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he stopped, right, the disciples were polite. They let him finish. And then one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. They saw that something important, something powerful was happening there. And they sought Jesus' advice. They're like, Jesus, teach us to do what you do. Teach us to pray like you prayed. And I love that this story is recounted not just in Luke 11, but also in Matthew 6. And I love the way Matthew recounts this. And I love the way the message translation translates this portion as Jesus instructs his disciples in Matthew 6, 6. You can follow along on the screen. Jesus starts his instruction of prayer by saying this. He says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. Those are the words of Jesus right there. And so the first thing to do is find a quiet, secluded place. Do you have a prayer spot? Maybe a prayer chair. That's kind of cool, right? A prayer chair. Maybe a room, a, a space to get away and be quiet and pray. In our house, we have this little front room kind of away from everything else, and there's a couch in there, and it's the warmest room in the house, which can sometimes pose a problem early in the morning because it's so cozy, right? But like that's, that's where I will go occasionally, and there's, there's a room, and there's a couch, and there's a spot on the couch, and I'll sit, and I'll pray, uh, a quiet, secluded place. Now, some of you, might be thinking, like, Ryan, I've got three kids. 
under the age of six. There is no quiet, secluded spot in my house. I get that. I've been there. Here's some advice. Go to the bathroom. (laughs) Shut the door. Lock it. You've got three minutes, okay? You've got three minutes until those kids with their heat-seeking vision know exactly where you are, and you hear, Mommy, Daddy, and then you see those fingers underneath the door. It's like a little tiny horror movie or something like that. But listen, it doesn't matter the stage of life you're in. Take advantage of what you've got, okay? Find a quiet, secluded place and pray. And Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, find a quiet, secluded place. And then he says this. I love this. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. So you'll be yourself. So that you will come as you are. And then he says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. You don't have to pretend to be anything or anyone else other than who you are when you pray. Isn't that such a relief? Go to that spot and then look. The focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense his grace. You will begin to sense his peace and his power and his presence. So how should we pray? Find a quiet, secluded place. This is what Jesus did so often in his ministry. He would get off. He would get away to a quiet, secluded place. He would be crowded by so many people, but oftentimes throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus would go up to some mountain. He'd go off into some desert, and he would get away to pray. And so I want to, I want to encourage all of you today to make it a priority. Be resolved in your life to make it a priority every single day to find a few brief moments to get away and pray. Put your phone away for five minutes, for 10 minutes. Turn it off. Put it in the other room. Listen, you can check Instagram later. Whatever your friend posted, I promise you, it will still be there in like five or 10 minutes and it will still be mostly meaningless, okay? (laughs) Don't check your text messages, all right? Whatever meme or TikTok video that your friend sent you, again, it will still be there, okay? And it's not going to change your life. Find that quiet, secluded place. Spend a few moments with God to disconnect from the busyness of this world so that you can, so that you can, can connect with the God of peace. Find a few moments every single day in your life where you can disconnect from the busyness of this world so you can connect to the God of peace. And, and, and why should we do this? Why is this so important to do this? Well, listen, It's so important that we make this a priority because intimacy is never accidental. Intimacy is never accidental. It just never, you never stumble into intimacy in your relationships, ever, ever. I've never heard someone be like, listen, Ryan, life is crazy right now and I'm working so hard and I've got to take my kids to practices and I'm trying to find time to go to the gym and I'm so worried about money and I'm so hectic, but you know what? I am so close to God right now. Never heard that before, ever. Never been true in my life either. Like in my relationship with Carrie, if we don't find time every single week to to connect and to talk, we will lose that sense of intimacy that we have in our relationship. 
Certainly in your friendships, in your marriages, in your relationships, you can sense that intimacy decrease the longer the time span between how much you are connecting with one another. You can't grow close to a friend unless you spend intentional alone time with them. And so find that quiet, secluded space with God and just be still. Be still with him. So then now you might be asking, well, if I find that time, I set aside that time, I find that prayer place, I find that prayer chair, I sit down, I've got five or 10 minutes, what do I do next? What do I actually pray about? Do you have some formula? Does Jesus have some formula, some sort of thing? You know, many of us have heard of acts, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Have you heard of that before? Anyone? OG Christians in the house? Um, You know, you have these different ways of praying. What do I pray about in the moment when I've got that brief amount of time to spend with God? Listen, really simply put, the answer is really, really easy. When you're in that quiet, secluded place, pray about what you care about. Okay? That's it. Pray about what you care about. Whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're concerned about, whatever you're angry about, go before God and pray. Just a few months ago in our Philippians series, we saw in Philippians 4, verse 6, Paul said this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Again, I love what Dallas Willard writes about this. He puts it this way, that prayer simply dies from efforts to pray about, quote, good things that honestly do not matter to us. How often do we finally get away in those five or 10 minutes with God and we're like, we're like I gotta pray about serious things. And so we're like, I'm gonna pray about, I'm gonna pray about that war in Ukraine or I'm gonna pray that AI doesn't overtake me and my job and destroy my life. And we're just like, you know, I mean, maybe you're concerned about those things. Okay, maybe, maybe, that's okay. But, but so often we think we've gotta pray about these grandiose things when in reality, what if we just settled and prayed about what's on our heart? He goes on to write this that the way to get to meaningful prayer for for those good things is to start by praying for what we are truly interested in, our relationships, our concerns about work or money or, or all the things that are just kind of plaguing our minds that you wake up thinking about or that when you put your head on your pillow at night, they all seem to come rushing in. Pray about those things. Pray about those things first. And then he writes this, the circle of our interests will inevitably grow in the largeness of God's love. That when we are moved from the cramped but comfortable existence of our own world and we enter into the world of God over time through the act of prayer, our eyes are opened, our hearts are enlarged for the things that God truly cares about. But if we're just starting, and you, might have been, you, might, you may have been walking with Jesus for many years, but it has been a long time since you have built into your life a daily prayer practice. Start here again. Start anew again. And listen, if it is on your mind, then it is on God's heart. If it's on your mind, then it's on God's heart. Talk to him like he's a close friend. Talk to him like he's a close friend because listen, he is. If you have questions, ask him those questions. If you're mad, if you're mad at God, tell him. 
Have you ever read the Psalms before? David was mad at God a lot. Trust me, God can handle those things. God can handle whatever you bring to him, whatever you bring at him. Pray about what's on your heart. Talk to him intimately. Again, it shouldn't just be an action we do once in a while, but even throughout the day. Would we go before him as we're driving in our car, as we're sitting at our desk, as we're waiting for our kids' practice to finish? Would we pray? Would we go before him like a friend? And would we bring to him the things that are on our hearts, the concerns, the needs? Find a quiet place. Pray about whatever you care about. We need to do this because intimacy is never accidental. And if we want to truly experience the power of God, his peace in our lives, if we want this tangible felt experience of his presence in our lives wherever we go, then we must make prayer the centerpiece of our relationship with God. So I wanna talk about one more thing this morning, a question that some of you might be thinking of in this moment. You're like, I get it, Ryan. Jesus, he prioritized prayer. And I get that my reasons for not praying are acknowledged, uh, but they're probably not good enough excuses to not pray. And I get that I should make prayer the centerpiece of my life if I want to experience his peace and his power and his presence and all this stuff, right? Like, I get it, Ryan, but I just have this one pressing question about prayer. Does prayer make a difference? Does prayer change anything? Does prayer, does it even work? And let me answer this question with just a simple, resounding yes. Yes. Prayer changes things. Prayer makes a difference. I like to put it this way. Prayer makes a dent in this world. When we pray, I believe that things happen in this world that otherwise wouldn't have happened if we didn't pray. Does that make sense? And you can push back on this and you can ask questions after the service. I fully welcome the conversation. You can send any emails to ryan at arborchurch.com. That's Ryan with a B, okay? You can send those emails my way. I welcome all of them here this morning. But listen, prayer changes things, okay? Prayer changes things. But God is sovereign. He's provident. He's in control, he knows the beginning from the end. Listen, I, I fully agree, and I, I'm just not smart enough to make sense of all of it for you right now, okay? I get it, and we don't have enough time to unpack all of that, but listen, what I see in the scriptures and what I've seen evident in my own life is that prayer changes things. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Again, I'm gonna read another quote from Dallas Willard this morning, and all of these are from his book called The Divine Conspiracy. And so if you're ever looking for a book to totally rattle your cage and set you on fire to pursue Jesus and just give you a fresh vis vision of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, I highly encourage you to read this book. But listen, listen to this quote on prayer again from Dallas Willard. He, he says this, God does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he was going to do anyway. Let that sink in for a moment. God, your God, does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he was going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does 
or does not do. Can you feel the tension in your hearts right now, right? Listen to what else he writes here. He says, the idea that everything would happen exactly as it does regardless of whether we pray or not is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. Is that true about you? I know it's true about me. Listen, it makes prayer psychologically impossible, replacing it with dead ritual at best. And of course, God does not respond to this. And you wouldn't either. Listen, in ways that we cannot fully comprehend in this world, with our God as sovereign God over this world, prayer changes things. Live in that mystery. Live by faith in that mystery. He wrote this book in the late 90s, about 25 years ago, and as of writing this book, he cites that, that about 130 different medical studies were done that were done and published in medical and other journals that scientifically studied the effects of prayer. And in, in one of the most well-known studies done in 1988 by this guy named Randolph Bird at the University of California in San Francisco Medical Center in 1988, uh, in, it, in this study, they, they dealt with 393 different heart patients, people who had heart attacks, coronary issues, all sorts of things. And it was a double-blind study, which means that the patients had no idea who was and wasn't being prayed for, and those medical practitioners who were caring for the patients had no idea who was being prayed for. They were just praying for a set of these patients, and then they weren't praying for some of these other patients. It would really stink to be some of those patients who were not being prayed for in this study because do you know what they found? Do you know what they discovered? Listen, that those who were being prayed for, this is published in that journal right there, that those who were being prayed for had a significantly lower mortality rate, required less use of the most potent drugs, and not a single coronary patient who was prayed for had to be put on life support. One study, one study done by Randolph Bird, documented also in Dr. Larry Dossey's Healing Words, but I think a little glimpse, a little hope for all of us that prayer actually changes things. Prayer changes things. And so as we wrap up this morning, here's, here's what I wanna do, real simple. I'm gonna invite the band back up here right now. And before we sing a few songs, what I wanna do is I just wanna create a quiet space for us to pray right now. And this might be the first time that many of you have just calmly prayed in a focused way in a really long time. For others of you, it might be like your second or third time today. Good for you, you're awesome, that's great, okay? For some of you, it might be your first time ever praying. But I just wanna create a, a quiet space for us to, to pray and to go before God. And I want to invite you into this space and share with God whatever is on your mind. Remember, if it's on your mind that it's on God's heart, pray about what you care about. Pray about what you care about. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe it's a work thing. Maybe it's a money thing. And we might not individually be alone. We might be in this room full of people and it might feel a little bit awkward, but would we use the quietness of this space to go before God and just share with him whatever it is that's on our hearts? And so again, let's do that. Let's close our eyes. Let's just take this moment right now 
to go before God, would you remember that, that He cares, that He's listening, that He's here, and that this right now is not a futile exercise. Prayer changes things. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you that you hear us. We thank you that you care for us. Father, I pray that you would give us faith this week to pray. Even when we doubt that you hear us. Even when we doubt that you care. Even when we, we're not sure why you're not moving and not answering our prayers, God, would we trust that you have our best interests in mind. Lord, I pray that you would help us to find that quiet, secluded pray, place to get away and to pray. Help us to follow your way. Help us to follow your better way this year. As a church, I pray that we would continue to become people who are marked as people who follow Jesus, people who live like he lived and loved like he loved. We can only do any of this because of the great gift of your son. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you that in him we have the forgiveness of sins and that right now he is praying. He is pleading on our behalf before your throne. That even when we don't know what to pray, he is praying for us. We trust you, Father. Continue to lead us forward this year, we pray. In your son's powerful name, amen. Let's stand.